0: wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, today we begin our Advent to Christmas series, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? You recognize that phrase, weary world rejoice? It comes from the 19th century Christmas hymn, O Holy Night, which inspired this sermon series. We call that line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Weary as in tired, fatigued, or exhausted. As you can read in the bulletin this morning, Advent marks the beginning of the Christian calendar. It is an Advent that we get in touch with our need for a Savior and anticipate the coming of Christ. We see the darkness, but we also see that light is breaking through in the person of Jesus. We get a real sense of this at Christmas because it's often an emotionally charged time when we feel many different things very deeply and sometimes all at once. You know what I'm talking about? That's usually the way it is for all of us. And as disciples, we want to acknowledge the weariness of our world while also knowing, as the song says, a thrill of hope, a joy that comes from heaven in this year's Advent series, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? We're going to create space for all of our emotions and find ways to rejoice together. But before we get into today's message, you're probably wondering what is happening with the art in the background here. We have new artwork that is emerging, and so to talk about that briefly, please welcome Jeff Isley up this morning. Let's welcome Jeff.
1: Yes, I'm Jeff. i here to answer that question, what's going on on that wall. It looks different this morning than it did the other day when we were setting it up, and I think that's a good thing. Dave Perry and I met way back in September and talked a little bit about a possible future uh, community arts project, and this was not anywhere close to our, our uh, mindset at all at the time. but. We had just come off of uh, a summer of having Susan Bailey's Jelly Art Show, kind of all over the church from the back wall all the way to the gallery, and it was so energizing to us, so we asked her kind of on a whim, Susan, you had said you want to teach a class on this Jelly Art uh, printing technique, and it would be a lot of fun to to learn how to do that. I knew I was looking forward to that, but could we somehow combine it with Advent? we brainstormed together a couple times, and we came up with a couple ideas, but we didn't really come to a finished plan. And I'll give you a little hint: we still don't know what the finished plan looks like. <laughs> it's very much a work in progress. But I want I want you to know that this was intentional. What you see up there isn't your typical Christmas imagery. It isn't your typical even Advent focus. But because of uh, Dave Perry, knew it that, that already back in September that this would be the theme we uh, decided we would do this uh, project, even though we weren't quite sure how it was going to all come together. Um, when I think about that meeting, and then the artists gathering to make the art, it reminded me this morning that there's a lot of meetings that happen in this building on a weekly basis, but not all of them end up in the, with such a visible outcome. What you see is just one step of that outcome of this group of folks that got together. Um, and that kind of su- uh, surprisingly reminded me that uh, meetings in church have consequences. Um, some meetings, the consequences are very visible, and that's what's happening here this morning. And A lot of times, things are very invisible, and you don't really know what the effect of that meeting is going to be. But here's an example of something that's very visible. And I'm really grateful for this church and the artists who came out to work on this together. We had a lot of fun working together on making prints. A lot of good conversation. We talked about how this was not a very traditional Advent approach, and were people going to get it, quote-unquote. That's kind of why I'm here. Dave Perry's away this weekend, as you know, and he said, someone has to get up and talk about this. Explain it to people. And Susan said, she pointed to me. Susan said, no, I'm not doing it. What art, what visual art does, that's a little different from some of the other art forms that um, we use here at Grantham, is it invites us to slow down and um, observe with our eyes and to attend to something. And art is something that uh, you can't just walk past. It's not art if you're just walking right past it. But if it stops and makes you ponder a little bit, then it's working. So I want you to notice that there is an artist statement in the bulletin that you can ponder um, each week this, this month. This artwork Um, invites us to notice how we can benefit from holding these opposite emotions together, weariness and joy. In, In the visual arts, that's very typical to represent with lights and darks. What you see up there is mostly dark. It was intentional. We saved a big pile of prints. We made about 500 prints in the course of the last six weeks. This first batch of 100 is the darker prints, and both Susan and I noticed after we started putting them on the wall that they don't look as dark as we were hoping that they would be. So you'll have to imagine them being really dark. I think it's because it's a big white wall. Um, We saved the murky ones. It gave the artists permission to fail. So if their printing technique, as they're learning this technique, turned into a muddy murky print, that was great. We're going to make a pile of those. We're going to use those this morning. This morning the prints are a little murky, a little dark. Not as dark as we thought maybe they might be. But that was intentional. So we could focus on the the darkness this week, the weariness that we all feel. The other thing we're doing this, this Advent, we've done it before. If you've been around a while, you won't be shocked by this. We're going to make you wait and see this develop slowly. So every week, more prints will appear, up here, and it will change. And the finished um, art, which we're still debating... Will be Christmas Eve. So you have to come back Christmas Eve to see that. And if you want to help actually paste them on the wall with us Wednesday about four thirty in the afternoon, show up and help us out. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Thank you, Jeff and Susan and our entire visual arts team. So how does a weary world rejoice? Well, we acknowledge Our weariness. That's the first message in our series. Would you pray with me? Father, we, Lord, we stop for a moment and we recognize our need for you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us now. Speak to us, Lord, in a way that only you can. You know what each of us need. May we hear that, your voice, and respond to it today. In Christ's name, amen. amen. If you would, please grab your Bible and open up on your, in your Bible. It could be on your phone or a pew Bible in front of you if you didn't bring one. Open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And as you are turning there, would you stand with me for the reading of the Scriptures? Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order it was on duty that week. As was his custom of the priest, he was chosen by Lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Please be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever been in a setting or a situation that was joyous, or you know certainly had the potential for being joyous, but you were simultaneously mindful of something that wasn't right in the world? And maybe some of you can recall that just this past week. I know that this happens to me quite often. What do we do with that? Or, or might we ask, how does a weary soul rejoice? We begin our series today by recognizing the darkness in the world and to acknowledge the presence of darkness in our own lives. And that can appear as things like grief, regret, pain, fear, anger, hate, disappointment, cynicism, hopelessness, and so forth. But we must be careful when we do that because sometimes our weariness can harden us to belief in the gospel and to God's goodness in our life, preventing us from living fully. And so the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, which precedes the birth story of Jesus the Messiah, can help us to acknowledge our own weariness before God, and prompt us to open our eyes to the light and our hearts to joy. As we read in our main Scripture text, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who would become the parents of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, had had, had battled infertility for many years but were still steadfast in their faith, still following the Lord. However, you can keep to the path of righteousness and still become callous to the good news and skeptical of God doing the seemingly impossible because of your life experiences. And some of us know this. We can all relate, I think, to that in some way or another. And you might imagine, perhaps, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they feel the weight of hopes and dreams unattained. Perhaps it's after years of asking, why, Lord, that Zechariah isn't at his best when he's doing his priestly duty that day, and he's not able to welcome joy when God sends a heavenly messenger in the temple. You recall that the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah with a promise of good news, but Zechariah can't fully receive it. It's just too much for him even though he had prayed for it for years. And he's cast into silence in this story for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Even she'll keep her gift hidden for several months, the Scripture tells us. Now think about that. My friends, sometimes weariness can harden us and prevent us from living fully. It's, it's been a hard journey. Grief has left a scar on us. As I said, made us callous. We're we're left waiting, trying not to be unbelieving, trying not to be bitter and cynical from those experiences, just clinging to whatever faith that we have left. We can be weary in various ways. We can be weary because of our age. We've seen a lot in our days, and that's made us hard, and it's made us cold inside. We can be weary because we were hurt somewhere in the past, and those wounds haven't healed. We can be weary because we've waited for years on something to change, but yet it still hasn't. We can be weary for lots of reasons, but do we have to remain weary? (laughs) That's a question we need to answer this morning. Can we exchange our weariness for hope, is it possible? Is there a way to experience weariness but trust in God and experience His joy? And church, I think, I think that's possible. That's what I want to invite us into today. David the king and psalmist, he also believed so. And he expressed a full range of emotions in many of his poems and songs. Take, for example, Psalm 13. If you want to open up there, Psalm 13. Six verses in this chapter. I'm going to read them all. Listen to this psalm. It captures David's heart in this weariness that we all feel at some point in our lives. He said, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish? In my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day, how long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I'll rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because He is good to me. And one of the things I love about many of the Psalms of David is they start with this raw, authentic honesty, acknowledging the weariness, acknowledging the isolation, the feeling of abandonment even. But yet He always seems to end it with confidence and trust in God. This is what it means to be people of faith, certainly to create space for all of our feelings, to recognize and be honest about the darkness, not to sugarcoat things, not to sweep things under the rug, but to be honest, to be vulnerable. But the end of it all, at the end of the day, at the end of our prayers, We express, as people of faith, a trust in God's unfailing love. Amen? You see, trusting in God's unfailing love and His ability to save us, being able to recognize His goodness in your life and in the world, is important because amid weariness, there must be a light at the end of the tunnel. There must be a way to combat the weariness of the present evil age. There must be a glimpse of hope Uh, The German theologian Jürgen Moltmann said that hope is anticipated joy. Hope is anticipated joy. That helps to sustain us during the weary times and it grants us the opportunity to rejoice and express our trust in the Lord while we wait on His deliverance. As Pastor Melissa had said earlier, hope is not a wishful thinking. It's rooted in the truth of the gospel. It's rooted in the truth of the person of God revealed in Jesus. Hope is anticipated joy, joy that the Lord will bring in time. Yes, we should acknowledge our weariness, but we also must recognize that we were made for joy, and we know it right, when we find ourselves overcome with weariness and darkness. There's something in us that says it shouldn't be this way, right? It's because we were made for joy, and so we should thus welcome joy into our life at any point we discover it. Remember, joy is listed as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It's listed as a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence of the life of God in us. And some of us have not given ourselves permission to experience joy. And I know this from personal experience. How can I feel joy when this evil, terrible thing is happening? But the Lord calls us to welcome the joy in the midst of the darkness And we should also think of it this way, especially if you have a social conscience and you care about social justice. Listen to what Willie James Jennings said. Joy is an act of resistance against the forces of despair. Let me say that again. Joy is an act of resistance against the forces of despair. Therefore, we mustn't harden our hearts we, we, we shouldn't let our weariness and lack of joy keep us from trusting in God's unfailing love, as David said in the psalm, or blind us to the light of his truth, justice, and goodness in this world. For when our heavenly messenger or gift from God eventually comes, as it did to Zechariah there in the temple, we want to be receptive we want to open ourselves up to God's answer to our prayers, of which we have prayed so long. As C.S. Lewis said, we want to be surprised by joy. And folks, the Lord wants to surprise us with it. That is why the Spirit inspired these words. And the author of Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, he said, be careful then. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. In other words, don't become the evil that you hate. Don't become that evil that is dragging you down, making you weary. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. And isn't that what it does when we stew and sit in the weariness for too long? We begin to doubt the sovereignty, the love, the care, the power of God. So it's important for us to hold these together, to welcome the joy. Look at verse 13. He says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today. And it is today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. That is, by your own sin, not to be deceived by it or by the sin of others. You see the sin, the evil, and the wickedness in the world. Don't be deceived. It doesn't get the last word. So don't let it harden you against God. Verse 14, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. Can you remember back to that time? Trust and believe just as you did in the beginning when you first trusted Christ. Keep that freshness to your faith, the author of Hebrews is saying to us. For in it we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, and he quotes Psalm 95, 7 and 8. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And so, church, we may need to pray this line from David's prayer in Psalm 51 as we begin the season of Advent, the season of waiting, the season of longing. Listen to what he says in his well-known prayer of repentance. Psalm 51, verse 12, David said, Restore to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation, and make me willing To obey you. Willing to obey, willing to believe, willing to trust, willing to hope. And hope is the anticipation of joy. Finally, brothers and sisters, here are some questions to help us reflect and respond to God's voice and the Spirit's invitation through this first message of Advent reflect on these with me and i've and i've personalized these questions for us this morning ask yourself what is the darkness that i need to name in the world another way you can think of it is what is it that is not of god can you name that this morning what weariness do I carry in my own body and soul? And You might just prayerfully, if you want, you can close your eyes and just confess that to the Lord. Or if you're taking notes, you might just write it down. That might help you as well. What is it? What is the darkness that you need to name? What is the weariness that you carry around in your own body and soul? Just name that before the Lord. Number two, what does it look like for me to rejoice when I'm weary? Maybe you have some experience with that, and so that may come easy. But if if you don't have experience with that, imagine what would it look like? Can Can you envision yourself rejoicing, expressing joy, experiencing joy in the midst of your weariness? And how is the Lord inviting you to welcome joy into your life today? I hope that you can see that. You can get a vision of what it looks like to rejoice in the midst of the weariness. One thing that may help you is to just maybe close your eyes. I know the first thing that comes to my mind are my two little boys. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's another loved one or a friend or someone who's been kind to you in this season. And then number three. And be honest about this because freedom is on the other side of this door. Have past experiences and the weariness of the world hardened my heart to the goodness of God and others. I've been pastoring for quite a while and I've seen this a lot. People that don't have a direct problem with you they're carrying around a bunch of junk. They're carrying around a lot of burdens a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness because of something that's happened to them in the past. In some way, we can all relate to that this morning, can't we? Amen? Let's acknowledge it as a part of our weariness. Let's confess it to God so that we can know His freedom and His joy. And if need be, pray that prayer that David prayed. Lord, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation. Lord, that is our prayer this morning. We acknowledge our weariness. We acknowledge what is broken in the world, what is evil within us. We confess it to you, Lord, God, give us a sense for how you see these things. We know they break your heart. And that's why they break our heart. Because, Lord, we were made in your image. And deep down, we all sense when things aren't right. When they're not in alignment to your will and to your way. And so we confess it, Lord. And we recognize that it is bigger than any of us. We recognize, Lord, that we need a savior. And so God, as we enter into Advent, as we sing together, come that long expected Jesus. Keep us in touch with our weariness, but Lord, help us to welcome joy. Help us to embrace and believe in hope. For it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.